0: Hey guys, welcome to Season 1 of the Prayer House Podcast. Our mission is to encourage and nourish everyone through the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family, and we hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Amen. Uh, Thank you again. Uh, I just want to thank Prayer House for having me. This is uh, the last part of the session for uh, baptism. Um, I'm going to really miss the icebreakers. I, I really have enjoyed hearing all of them. Um, so it's been an honor and a pleasure to, to teach um, all of you what God put in my heart. And tonight we're going to look at the last part of baptism, and especially what it means for the believer, and it's, it's a very important revelation, and I'm um, just going to pray one more time. Father, we, I just thank you for uh, this group. I thank you for this ministry. Um, Lord, no eye has seen, no ear is heard, no mind is perceived, but God has prepared for they that love him. So tonight, God, as with all the prayers and all the worship that has been lifted up, Lord, Holy Spirit, I invite you to just magnify Jesus and to lift up his name. Jesus, I pray they would see you and hear you and would have the revelation, the glorious revelation of baptism and what that has done for us as believers. We thank you and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so just a recap of yesterday, um, we talked about what baptism is. Um, baptism in, just a simple statement, it's joining together with Christ as dying to the old man, rising again in your new nature, and joining together with Christ in the new covenant. It's your partaking of his death, and that's what we're going to look at. So our, 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 our text tonight will be Romans chapter 6, and we're just going to stay there for a while, and we're going to look at what baptism means for us as, as believers in Christ. Um, so just to summarize, yesterday we saw that... Um, A whole multitude of Jewish people, when uh, Peter shared the sermon and and told them about what they did to Jesus, that he is the resurrected Christ, it said they were cut to the heart, and they said, what shall we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. So that's a whole community of Jewish people that were baptized into the new covenant. Uh, The Ethiopian eunuch was a Gentile who, after Philip explained Isaiah 53, he was cut to the heart, conviction came, and he said, there's water here. Who should stop me from being baptized? So that was a Gentile ambassador of another another nation um, who was baptized when conviction came. Then you have Saul of Tarsus, and he was a murderer. He was a religious zealot, and he thought he was serving God until Jesus came, met him on the road to Damascus. He had a three-day wrestling and encounter with God. Ananias came and put his hands on him. And when the scales fell, means the blindness came off. The first thing he said was, um, why should you, what's preventing me from getting baptized? Meaning uh, that he has entered in, um, when the jailer, um, who would, uh, when Paul and Silas escaped the prison, um, the jailer said, what should I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And that night, immediately that jailer, the Roman jailer got baptized. Um, Peter, when he went to a group of, uh, Gentile converts in the household of Cornelius, as he was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on them started speaking in tongues. And Peter said, who can prevent them from being baptized in water? So you see all different people go to Jews, Gentiles, dignitaries, murderers, all of them, when they realize Jesus Christ is Lord, what is the immediate next step? Baptism. Because conviction came. So what is, so baptism is joining into Christ, joining and coming together with him. It's dying to your old nature and rising again in the new. So, um, We're going to look at Romans 6, because baptism has different parts in all different uh, uh, parts of the epistles. As 1 Corinthians says, we were baptized into one spirit. Galatians says, when you're baptized, you're put on Christ. But today we're going to look at baptism um, and what it did for the believer in Romans chapter 6. And I pray that you would really hear Jesus uh, and the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So we're going to look at what what baptism did for us uh, as believers. And Romans 6, uh, verse 1 says... What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? So what we're going to look at tonight, tonight is the power of sin that's broken through baptism. Uh, it, uh, if you understand this revelation that the power of sin over your life is broken through baptism. And it's an incredible revelation that Paul had to write to the church in Rome. And verse one starts off with this question. He said, What shall we what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? It's because the verses before that in Romans five says Um, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, Uh, verse 20. And it says, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's saying, Paul is making an argument, where sin abounds, grace will abound exponentially higher to cover your sin, to help you escape your sin. And then he has a rhetorical question. What, shall we continue in sin so that grace can just abound? He said, certainly not. And the premise, he's saying the reason, That we can't continue in sin, so that grace may abound, is for one reason. Verse two uh, says, "Certainly not. How shall we, who died to sin, live any longer in it?" So the the, what Paul is saying is, you can't continue in sin, that grace may abound. Because I want to let you know uh, something that you might not know. I want to let you know a secret. You have died to sin, but you just don't have knowledge of that yet. You have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're living for Him. And, but because you don't realize you've died to sin, you are living in it. So he's saying, Paul is saying, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? He didn't say, how shall we who died to sin struggle any longer in it? There's a clear distinction. He's saying, if you have died to something, how are you continuing to live in it? As if you've never died to it. So it, what, what he means by that word live? He means how can you make a home with sin? How can you abide in sin? How can you dwell in sin when sin uh, has lost its power? You have died to sin. So the first argument Paul's making, and he's going to make it through baptism, is baptism, when you entered into it, you have died. You have died to sin. And And he's letting the church, these people, know they are dead. That old man is dead. They're dead to sin. Okay, and we're going we're gonna to look at that. That's, that's the main argument there. Verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? This is a, this is a very important, powerful statement. He's saying, do you not know that as many of us, m- much many of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus, not baptized into Buddha, not baptized into Muhammad, you know, no other religion baptizes them into their religious leader's name, because they're still in the grave. But I don't know if all of you understand, all of you that are born again Christians, when you are baptized into Christ's death, something spiritual happened. And because we don't have knowledge of it, many people live ignorantly. But when you are baptized into, and it says baptized into his death, not your death, You are baptized into his death. His, Jesus' death was a spiritual death, right? There are many people who got crucified. Remember, there were two thieves who were crucified. Both of them were crucified. Jesus was not only crucified, he was sacrificed. So when we are baptized into that sacrifice, something happened that many of, a lot of born-again Christians don't understand. If, if you are baptized, uh, let's just say you're born into another faith and you're baptized into Buddha, not, there's nothing spiritual that happened. Because you you, Buddha is still in the grave. Right? Muhammad is still in the grave, but Christ is not. And he is God incarnate. So when you are baptized into the Son of God's death, something spiritual happened. And that's what Paul's making the argument. And this is where we're going to see the power of baptism, uh, uniting in his death, has also did something to you. Spiritually. So remember, we we when you were baptized by your pastor or whoever baptized you, you are you had something spiritual that you entered into and might not realize it. You are baptized into his death. You have died Jesus' death. You are baptized into Him, into His death, and that has great ramifications for us as believers. So we'll keep reading. Therefore, We were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There's a lot going on here. Okay. Paul says, therefore, we were buried with him. Not only did you die, you were the crucifixion, you were crucified with him, but now you are buried. That means... whatever life is there on the cross, when you're buried, that means you're fully, it's fully done. It's fully dead. Okay. So you were buried with him through baptism. So you have died with Christ. You have been buried with him. You've been crucified with him. So a burial happened. So that old uh, tomb in Nazareth, in Jerusalem, where Jesus's body is. And you know if you go to Israel, you go to the site and say, this is the tomb of Jesus. Well, whichever tomb that was, what happened was you were in that, Tomb. When you were baptized, you when you were baptized, you have been placed in that tomb with him into his body. So you have to understand that tomb that whole held Christ's body two thousand years ago. When you took water baptism, you entered into that type of burial, and that has great spiritual implications. Okay, so we were we were buried with him. Through baptism into death. Now, why is that good news? Why is dying good news? Well, baptism is great news because something died. And I, the, the main thing I want to let you know tonight is, it might sound really weird, but I want to let all of you know, you have died. Your funeral date is not the date when you died. That's the date when your physical body dies. But you have died. And the day you were born again and you were accepted Christ and you took water baptism, something happened. Your death. That's what Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives. The Son of God who gave himself for me lives through me. Um, so we have died, and are, somebody else is living in your physical body. It's the Holy Spirit, which is Christ in you. So you have died. You have to understand that. In order to live, you need to know something died. Okay. So in order to live in this new born-again life, you have to know someone has died and that was you all of you when you were baptized you have died but we uh what shall we explain we live as if nothing ever died and that was the problem that was affecting the roman church we live as if not none of our old habits ever died but the truth is you have if you have partaken in Christ's baptism you have died you have died to your old man so We were buried with him through baptism into death. And then it says that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. If you want to experience the resurrection, you have to experience his death. You cannot experience the resurrection and the power of the Spirit If nothing, if you want, uh, basically, Jesus said, anyone who keeps his life shall lose it. But anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. So if you want to experience his resurrection, you must also experience, in order to experience his resurrection and the new life in Christ, you must be united with his death. Because God won't anoint your flesh God won't empower your flesh. God will only empower your new nature, your new, ma- your spirit, your born-again you. He will never give power to your old, unredeemed flesh. That one, um, the thing is, Jesus is not interested in counseling your old nature. Jesus is interested in killing your old nature, okay? There's a major difference. He's not interested in counseling you to better behavior modifications. What God wants to do, as as morbid as it sounds, but it's great news, he wants to kill you. (laughs) He wants to kill that old man that lives in you, that rears its ugly head every so often when someone cuts you off on the highway. It's your old man that wants to come back and say something ungodly. right? What God wants to do is not just um, sympathize with that old man, which he does. He understands uh, the struggle. But what Jesus did on the cross when he died is he killed you with him. God killed your flesh with him. And you have to realize that he murdered you. He murdered that old man that Jesus is. God is not interested in any part of the old man living. He has murdered your old flesh through baptism. That old man, that, that, that part of you that you feel like, ah, oh, how come I can never overcome this? Or how come I'm living like this? Well, um, if we don't have knowledge of it, we, we will continue to live in ignorance. That's what the Bible says, for lack of knowledge, my people perish. So because they didn't have knowledge of it, they continued. That's why Paul said, how can we live in it? How can we live in sin when we have died to? It? So again, therefore, because we were buried with him in baptism, so baptism is a portal, is a gateway of you entering into Christ's death, and you are buried, buried with him. And just the same way that Christ was raised by the glory, and the word glory, that's his, that's his kabod, his heavy weight, um, it's the anointing, it's his heavy manifest presence, just the same way God's glory raised up Christ's new resurrected body, is the same way the glory of God came to your life, the power of God came and brought you to live in the newness of life. So the new life that you live can only be lived by God's glory not by human effort or human flesh. The new spirit-filled life is ignited by the glory of God. The glory of God is very different than the presence of God. You might have felt the presence and the anointing of God in church, but when the glory comes in, it's when the Old Testament, it says the smoke filled the temple and the priests fell under the weight. It's what Moses said, show me your glory. It's a whole different it's a whole different dimension. So you have to understand that the, the glory of God is very more powerful than every, any nuclear reactor we have on this planet. The glory of God is immensely powerful. And that was God's glory that God used to raise his son from the dead. So it's the same way you partook in Christ's death, um, which means that old man was crucified. God needed to bring his glory to raise you up so you can live a born-again, spirit-filled life. So the born-again, spirit-filled life is lived about by his glory, is by his presence, not just by understanding doctrine alone. You need the presence of God to live this life. So you cannot partake in the, uh, and Romans 6, 4 says, we should walk in newness of life. How many of us can say that we're walking in a new life? Many of us will say, well, you know, after I got baptized, it seems like I'm walking in a double life. <laughs> I live like this on a couple of days until Sunday, and I live another life on Sunday, and then I go back to my old life on Monday through Thursday. I kind of get myself back on for Sunday. Paul says You're wa- God's glory has been poured out, so you, won't, you can walk in newness of life. Okay, so you cannot experience the newness of life until you've been dead. God is not about to allow his new life to be poured out on your old man. God wants to kill the old man. He wants to have nothing to do with it. So we'll keep going. Verse 5. It says, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death. That means in the same way. If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So if you have taken partaken in the water baptism, you have been united to remember, it's not, it's not any religious leaders death. This is Christ's death. You have to understand that when you've been water baptized, even if you don't have knowledge of this, I'm, I'm explaining it to you. Now you have been united into Christ's death, which has freed something in you. And because your old man has been crucified. So if we have been united, and it's a great thing, have you, have you been united into Christ's death? Have you died to yourself? Have you died um, through baptism with Christ so you can live like Christ? You cannot live like Christ until you died with Christ. Okay, so remember that. You cannot live like Christ until you have died with Christ. And the old man... Um, uh, Rendered inoperative, which we'll talk about. So, if we have been united together in the likeness, in the same way of his death, we will also be united in his resurrection, in the new life. Okay, verse 6. Knowing this, so again, he says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. And and look 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 at the punchline here. That we should be, that we should no longer be Slaves of sin. Okay? So Paul uses this word, knowing this. And then he says in ver- verse 2, Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any le- longer in it? In verse 3 I meant. Or do you not know? So here's the thing. Uh, the best way I can describe it is, they have received new hardware, but they're still operating in old software. Okay? So it's like you have this new, great, modified... Um, I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go with Microsoft here. So you did new, great Dell laptop 2020 with all the gigs and all the RAM, but you are running it in Windows 95, right? You're like startup, and it's like so. This this is exactly the same problem that the Rome, the Church in Rome had. Paul is saying, you are running on Windows 95, and you have a glorified new nature. But because you don't realize you have died, you are living in habitual sin. You are living in addiction because you don't realize you died. Right? So you're running Windows 95 when Jesus gave you his new nature. So that's the thing. Ignorance. They were ignorant of what happened at baptism, so they lived in sin. Not realizing that that's why what Paul is trying to say is, no, or if he was here today, no matter how much you take that hit, no matter how much you go back to that bottle, if you, have, you, you, if you have been united with Christ, that same high, you will never get like that again. Because something died. That old flesh that you tried to please, that you tried to gratify. When you've been, that's why of many of you, when you struggle in sin, you realize no matter how much you go back to that, you realize, oh, it, never, it doesn't satisfy. Why? Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is that thing that you used to you used to live on, you used to feed yourself with? Now, if you have truly been saved, that will never satisfy. You know why? You have been crucified, my friend, but you have no idea you have been. That old man has been murdered. So you will never, you will never get that satisfaction again. And you can try to. That's where we're going to keep reading in Romans 6, where these people can try to live that way again, and then they just become enslaved, but they don't realize their nature has changed. It all goes back to that. So. Again, it's, it's a church in Rome that is running Windows 95 in their software, but their hardware, their new nature has been upgraded. So you, all of you who have been baptized, you've been upgraded. But if you don't know what happened, you're living with your old man. So because when you are born again and you are saved, I have to make this very clear. You have two natures within you, okay? You are carrying around what I call dead weight. It's a dead zombie. It's your old man, okay? And he's still in you. It's your flesh, your nature. But, it, but what happened in the cross was, it, it, the, Paul says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified. So when Jesus' hands was pierced, your hands were pierced too. Okay? So that old man that you carry inside of you, a, after you've taken baptism, that old flesh that, w- was, um, that you fed through sin, now, because you took baptism, it is rendered ineffective. So what are you trying to do? You're just trying to you're just trying to like why why isn't it working? Why isn't my old man why am I not getting high again? Why am I not getting drunk again? Because Jesus said you are dead. I have killed that man in you. But you don't know it yet, so you keep living in it. You see what I'm saying? Baptism, we have entered into death. We have entered into his glorious death, which is a great death. This is the one death you want to be united with because it kills the old man. This is the one of the greatest, as weird as it sounds, you, it's that part that has killed us no matter how much. So remember, uh, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself because I absolutely love this chapter. But okay, so knowing this, so remember, Paul has to, this is something they have to know because Romans 6 deals with the mind. They have to know this. When you're ignorant of this, you will, you see the problem that you can be spirit-filled, anointed, baptized, but, but if you don't know what happened, you can live in the old way. That's why Paul says, Don't you know? Knowing this, and he's going to keep repeating this pattern because these are people who are spirit filled, who are born again, but they have not realized they died. Right? So he says, Knowing this, that our old man, that means our, not, that our old nature, it's another way of saying no old nature, because that's the new King James, that our old man was not tamed with him, it was crucified with him. Remember, it's been murdered, and I use the word for an effect, because you have to, I realize what happened to you. The old man was crucified with him. Why? That the body of sin might be done away with, which is in, 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 the, in the Greek meaning, it means rendered inoperative, meaning disabled. Okay? So here's, here's the kicker. When you have been baptized, no matter how, whatever you feel that says, I can never overcome this. I will always be addicted to this. I will always live like this. That old man, what did Jesus do? He disabled him. Your old man, no matter, and this is the the truth, no matter how many years you are saved, you will never get pleasure from sin. Or, um, well, that is a gray area because there is a lot of demonic principles that can heighten the effects of sin, but I won't go into that. But you will never be able to live from the old man again because Jesus turned the ignition off for eternity. But the thing is, we think that bad boy is still on. (laughs) And we're like, all right, maybe we can still have fun with the devil and still go to church on Sunday. And you realize you won't ever, you can't ever, if you're truly born again, you can't ever mix it ever again. And that's what you have to realize. God shut you off. God shut the old man off. And here's the thing with Jesus, okay? I'll tell you a secret. He will never turn him back on because he can't. Because he's been crucified once and for all. You have been crucified. God, Jesus will never go back and undo the crucifixion the same way he will never undo your death. So you have a choice. I can start living in the new life or I can still struggle here and never be satisfied. And struggle though I am, you know, So no matter how you feel, no matter what your feelings tell you, no matter how much you struggle with the sin, you have to know the truth. Romans 6 is about truth. This is a truth encounter passage, okay? There's times where you're set free by the power and the anointing. Then there's times where you're set free by truth. That's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There are other times where Jesus casts some things out of a person, because it was a power encounter. But this is a truth encounter. This is what the church in Rome needed. They had the power. They had uh, understood Jesus was saved, but they needed truth. So here's the truth encounter your old man is dead, right? And that's, that's what we need to know. And that is rendered ineffective. And what was the, what was the purpose of that? Why did God render you ineffective? And, and Paul says that we should no longer be slaves of sin, right? So no matter, how, no matter what you feel, No matter what you tell yourself, I will never be set free. The truth is, it doesn't matter if you believe this or not, because God's word is truth. It doesn't matter if you agree with it. It doesn't matter if you believe. You can believe. Believing it will set you free. But no matter how you feel, no matter how much you struggle, the truth is you are set free from sin. That's the first step in victory. The first step in victory is knowing you are set free. No matter how much your life tells you contrary Your behavior tells you contrary, baptism. You are baptized into Christ's death. And the truth is you are set free from sin forever. And if you allow that truth, you allow that truth to meditate, to go into your soul, and you allow yourself to understand what happened to you. If you can picture yourself, a mental picture, if you can picture Christ on the cross, and you can picture yourself where Christ is, you can picture yourself in the grave, in that tomb, when the stone rolled over, dead for three days. Jesus God is saying, through my son's death, you have also died. I'm transitioning you but 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 these Christians, even though they died, they tried to live from a dying point of view. <laughs> they tried to live from an old man that's been already dead. It's like what I, what I call you know um, the struggle with Isaac uh, and Ishmael. you know the Galatians says the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by promise of the spirit. It's, it's, Paul uses that same allegory, how Ishmael, um, the son born by the power of the flesh, persecuted the son born by the promise of the Spirit. Same way, you have an Ishmael and an Isaac. It's the same concept. The Isaac is your born-again you. The Ishmael is your old man. Okay? So all of you that are born-again, you are carrying around a dead zombie, which wants to come back to life every day. <laughs> and you have to make a conscious decision. I'm not going to allow who Jesus killed to come back to life. And if, if you don't know this, and if you don't know the truth about this, you, the devil and your flesh can tell you, you oh, are you really saved? How come you're still, when you don't have knowledge of scripture, you can think that you're nothing really changed. But the truth is, if, if, you, if you have been convinced, and you genuinely accepted Christ as your savior, and you have partaken, and you understand what baptism is, and you've identified and this is this good news is for you, that baptism has killed your old man. Absolutely killed. There's no, there's no debate with God with this. He's killed you. And now the response for us is, now how do we live? How do we live now with this knowledge? So even after this meeting, whatever, you know, a couple of days from now, when you see that old, whatever your temptation is, whatever your vice is, old thing coming back up, you have to know the truth. No matter how much it tries to seduce you, no matter how much it tries to entice you, that thing is dead, but it's trying to cause you to think it's alive. But God said it's dead, but it's, it's the flesh that wants to come back. So remember that the power of sin is broken through that. It's rendered inoperative, but it, you can, if you give it room, as what Jesus said, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. It'll just bring you back into bondage, but you will never get that. You will never... Get the same way or however you felt before you were saved of like, oh, I could live in sin and have no problem. You'll never feel like that again. It'll always be a struggle. So you have to understand something happened after you're born again. Uh, salvation. Um, there was an inoperation. God took the key off that addiction and he will never give you back that key. And he won't because he loves you too much. He won't let you give back get that key. Again, we're trying to drive a car that's been turned off. That's the the imagery I'm trying to tell you. We're trying to drive a car that Jesus took the key and he took a sledgehammer and he he demolished the engine. And you're sitting there behind the wheel and saying, oh, come on, drive. He's saying, listen, I killed that thing a long time ago, but you think it's still on. So that's what happened to baptism. We have died. We have died. We have died. And the reason we have died is so that we can be set free from slavery, slavery to sin. So baptism frees you. From slavery because you identified and the reason why baptism saves you uh, or, or it symbolizes uh, freedom from slavery from sin is because you have identified with his death you have partaken with his death so let's keep reading oh wow a lot of time went by okay uh verse eight now if we died oh, okay verse seven for he who has died has been freed from sin let me ask you a question are you dead have you, have you, if you've taken water baptism, the truth is you have. Now your behavior will tell you contrary, but the truth is you have died. That that old man is dead. It will never come back to life, but it will convince you if you can feed it, that it will try to make an image that is alive again. But Jesus shut him off. So he, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Let me tell you a glorious truth. You are free from sin. If you, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you have accepted and you walk through this process of water baptism you are freed if you have accepted Christ dead you are died with him you are freed no matter what anyone or what you yourself tells you okay verse 8 now if we died with Christ we believe that we also shall live with him so remember when you have died with Christ now since you've died with him what what is God going to do leave you in the grave absolutely no way now he's going to give you the new nature he's going to pour out his spirit his glory his abode his weighty presence So if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. So now when Jesus was raised, he was never raised the same way. You have to realize that he has a new resurrected body. The same way when you are raised right after you come up with the water, you are now raised into a new life. Uh, We're going to read into that. Verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Paul is making a point. Death no longer has dominion over him. So if death doesn't have dominion over Christ, what is Paul trying to say? Death does not have dominion over you. Okay? So if sin does not have dominion over Jesus anymore, sin, the truth, the honest truth, the gospel truth, is sin does not have dominion over you. And the first step is realizing it in your mind, with the renewal of your mind. You have to know, no matter what you're struggling with, you are dead to that thing. It's just something dead that wants to pretend like it's alive. But it's not. And you'll, never, you'll never live through that ever again, no matter how much you try. Okay, verse 10. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Okay, now verse 11 to 13 is going to make this very practical. And this is where we'll close up, okay? Verse 11. Now Paul, so now Paul is using baptism as an an imagery to show you that you're free. Okay, so this is what believers need to understand. Likewise, you also reckon, that means count, understand, mentally. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. So what is he saying? Even though it's dead, you still have a human free will. That's what Paul is saying. That man is dead, but when the temptations come, when this old man that's already been crucified, when he tries to make you think he never died, that's what sin wants to do. It wants to make you think it never died, and it still has power. When it, when it tries to rear its ugly head, Paul is saying, don't give into it. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And he says, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your instruments um, of righteousness to God. So he said, don't so what So what, what is Paul trying to say here? He's saying, listen, this is the truth. This is what happened. But you still have a free will that you can present yourself to sin. And he's saying, don't. And that's called the work of sanctification. Until, until you go to heaven, there's no sin in heaven. You have a glorified body on earth. Remember, you have an Ishmael in you that wants you to think it's alive, but it's dead. Okay? The Isaac in you, the new born-again self, is the one that you should live from. So every day you have an option. Do I live from Ishmael or do I live from Isaac? That's every day. All born-again believers. You have two options. Do I live to feed my flesh that has already lost its key and its ignition and the transmission? God sledgehammered it or do I live from the spirit-filled new me? Because uh, ultimately, what, what you are trying to do is trying to fill a void in your heart, and your, flat, your sin will never do it, friends. If you're truly born again, that sin will never feed you again. I, I know, because I speak from experience, but before I was saved, I used to live in sin. I'm like, oh, no conviction, no problem. I um, used to do all those sorts of different things. And I used to get a high off of it. And then after I got saved, I couldn't get the same type of Whatever high, whatever it was, I'm like, what happened? I didn't realize something died. And because I didn't have, when you have knowledge of it, when you live in the born again life, so that's what you might struggle with it, but you can never live in it. It's impossible. Jesus took the ignition out and he's never planning on giving it back to you because he loves you. So again, Paul says, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to, to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. You are now living. You're not a zombie anymore. You're alive, meaning alive in the bed. You have Holy Spirit power. You have the glory of God. You need the Holy Spirit to live this born-again life. Um, I'm just going to keep reading the rest of it just, for, just to give you, because I feel I, I should, um, <clears throat> just to give you some context. Verse 14, we're just going to go down real quick. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but under grace, which we won't get into. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. And then verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, before you were born again, you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered and having been set free from sin. Now Paul is saying, now listen, you, no matter how much you struggle, you're set free. There's something changed. Having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. So now you're just enslaved, but you're enslaved to God, to freedom, to life, to joy, to peace. You're slaves to this, to life. It means, it means you're bound to it. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness, for holiness, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been... Look, again, he says this. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God... So it's just that your, your, your master changed. That's what Paul's trying to say. Your, your, your master was the devil before or sin. Now your master is God. Okay. Having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So even understanding this, Paul said, you have a will, don't feed your flesh. So baptism, I want to let you know the truth again. Baptism has murdered you. It has murdered the old man. You have not only just murdered, you've been crucified. It is no longer in operation. That is the first step in freedom to living a born-again spiritual life. Uh, you might have an upward struggle, but I want to let you know you have a glorious new life in Christ. And I want to thank all of you again. I pray that you have heard the gospel. Remember, the gospel has nothing to do with you. It's Jesus saving you and empowering you to live this new life and to just cling close to him and know the fear of the Lord, know the love of Christ and walk in the newness of life. I pray that God and God alone will be glorified through this. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please, Drop us a rating and a review if you have the time. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching and keep listening for his voice.